Welcome to Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but both have found a way to make a living doing what they love. I'm here with my co-host, Rob, who I've known my entire life because he's my brother. Hi, Rob. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, pretty good. Um, today, we're going to answer a question. Do you want to know the question? I would love to know the question. How do you feel being a freelancer is perceived in your respective fields? Me, I'm a lawyer, you're digital marketing, a creative. Mm. So I actually had an interesting thing that happened this week. Um, and it wasn't the reason that we chose to do this show, uh, this topic for the show, uh, but it's, it fits in perfectly. So I had a, uh, a, a former client from a couple agencies ago um, reach out to me and said, Oh, Hey, you, you know, you provided a service way back and now you're out on your own. Uh, would you be interested in putting together a proposal? And I said, sure. Um, and so we had a couple calls and chatted and he was like, okay. So I took my proposal back to my boss. And, uh, the question that she asked was, how do we know we're not his only client? Hmm. And, and so, you know, okay, fair, whatever. Um, to me, that felt a little bit like freelancers can sometimes be flighty. In my industry, at least with the creative field, un every unemployed creative is a freelancer, you know? So, right. so it's hard to kind of distinguish between like, are you a freelancer for the minute? Or are you a freelancer by choice? That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so like, I was like, okay, fine. You know, uh, I sent over, I was like, here's a list of like, you know, um, seven of my clients. Here's the ones that are most applicable to you. Here's the ones I've worked with the longest. Uh, I'd be happy to give you contact information for these folks. If, if you want to reach out to them, um, and, and, you know, send it over, felt really good about it. It was like, this is a really solid answer to what she, you know, to, to put the, uh, put to bed any concerns that they have, you know? And, and so my guy reached back out and was like, okay, well, um, now we're a little concerned that you might have too much work. <laughs> and, and so I was like, okay. So, um, you know, trying to build myself up as like, Hey, this is my business. Like this, you know, this is how many clients I have. This is how long I've been working with them. Now they're like, Oh, well, you know, you're just one person. Do you have time for us kind of thing? And, and so it, it was interesting because I, th I think that showed me just, you know, trying to, re to read between the lines that, um, they are thinking about me as a freelancer much differently than my average client. Um, I've, I've got several clients who I've never met in real life. I've, you know, I met them in a Facebook group and now we've been working together for a year <laughs> and, you know, we really don't know anything about one another other than, you know, this, the service I provide. And, and, and now here's someone that's, that's asking more of the questions from behind the scenes, which is kind of interesting because that's, that's just not been the case before. Um, what about you? Like I'm envisioning, you know, as an attorney, um, that perspective <laughs> yeah. is, is, is really interesting. I, I don't go to like my doctor and challenge like where they studied or how long they've been, you know, practicing. I just assume that like, if they're certified and they have an office, they're good to go. <laughs> um, but, but is that, is that naive of me? How, how do your clients usually yeah, uh, you, that with you. you might want to look into your doctors. <laughs> <laughs> he had business cards. It's fine. <laughs> MD didn't stand for medical doctor in that <laughs> circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, so 
So, yeah, perception comes into play in my field so much. You're talking about clients. And the question, like, the questions that boss was asking or the client was asking make so much sense and you know, kind of belie that maybe she had gotten burned by a freelancer mm-hmm. before or had some specific – she's trying to figure out where to put you on the spectrum of – you know, uh, unemployed to small business. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. Um, and I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me, but, um, and I don't know how you appropriately answer that because obviously you overshoot and then you undershoot. Like what, you know, what's the right answer other than, Hey, I've been doing this a long time and I know how to manage my workflow maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, having run other agencies in the past, I feel like I have a really good feel for what I'm capable of as an individual. So yeah. I've had to do that at a team level before, and this is much simpler. So right. yeah, uh, interesting. And the ability maybe to pull in a bench or something. And I'm glad, you, I, honestly, I'm glad you got uh, asked that question because I feel like I get asked some of those questions as a, a, a woman with no children of childbearing age, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I might be just uh, putting that on the people who are asking it, but I, I feel like sometimes they're going, are you going to still be around for a while or what's your plan? Um, right. But for me, you know, my clients have such varying expectations of a lawyer, um, but a surprising number of them, even uh, I have younger clientele a lot, um, and even the younger folks in their twenties uh, and thirties still they'll say the funniest things, like you know, "Hey, okay, well, I don't know when I can get to your office to meet in person." They all think that you know they have to come to your like you're, you're supposed to come to your lawyer's office in person to meet the first time, and there's handshakes and you dress up, and it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Big long tables, yeah, lots of books. Absolutely, and um, it, at first that was hard because the first couple of months I didn't have an office, and I was uh, meeting people at the work, you know, shared workspace or at a coffee shop, which works, but that's honestly not the experience they're looking for. They're looking for this very official. I went to see my lawyer today. Experience with coasters on wooden tables and things. Hmm. marble books on shelves and um and, ficuses yeah there's fake fi- ficuses fi- fici <laughs> they're <all> everywhere <laughs> they're just covered in dust because we're lawyers we don't have time to dust our fici <laughs> yeah i uh i found that that was totally true and ultimately um just a couple of months in i got a real office and it it sat it checks all those boxes it's really it's um it's on 17th Street in town, which is the the main street that kind of dead ends into Union Station that most of the law firms are off of. Um, and so that goes over great to clients. Um, and it's an old converted hotel room from like a real old hotel. So it doesn't look real ostentatious or anything, but it, it makes people – people get that emotional experience of going to their lawyer, which – I did not appreciate it first, but it's absolutely a part of the equation for probably like, I don't know, half, 60% of my clients. Do you you see that half being like uh, on an age perspective, like uh, the older people appreciate that more? Or do you really feel like it's not necessarily, maybe it's more a matter of like what other people's experiences with attorneys have looked like? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, great question. Uh, no, I think it's honestly younger people. I think uh, older, because I represent businesses, and so I think people who are business people and have been in business and worked with many attorneys um, don't really care as much about meeting me in person and sitting down. It's the people who are going in. They've, you know, created this business they love so much and they're willing to make this investment of, uh, you know, hiring a lawyer to button things up and they come and they want to go to the office and sometimes they've made folders for me, you know, and with right. everything printed, which is great when you're a lawyer and you're like, I really want the Word document. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's sweet and it's wonderful and they're organized and they're taking it seriously and they kind of have learned what lawyers do from TV maybe. So that's, I think, plays into it a little bit. Gotcha. Hmm. So when you have, do you have any mechanisms in place where you like offer, well, one, so do you work, do you work in your office every day? No, no, gosh. Okay. Um, no, I should. I, cause I pay for it. Um, mm-hmm. and I love my office. It's beautiful. I have a record player and, um, a big picture window and it's great to be there, but I try to keep my uh, meetings downtown to Wednesdays and Thursdays. Usually it winds up being one additional day of the week. So mm-hmm. I am okay. for sure in the office on those days. But otherwise I have a home office. And it also depends on if my husband's working because if he's home, he's very annoying. <laughs> 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 he is, only once has he uh, turned on the electric sander while I was on a conference call. <laughs> um, so mostly just stay out of his space i uh try to go into the office if he's um at home yeah interesting do you i mean um, do you have, any- have you thought about getting a proper office or is that not really done in your field so you know when i first got started my my intent was i have a handful of clients that that ask enough work of me that i thought well what i'll do is i'll go and work one day a week or a half day a week in their office. Oh. And so like, you know, they've got room for me. I'll just show up there. I'll, I'll work my time. They'll know I'm working on their account. I'll have the benefit of being in the office with them and know what else is going on and that sort of thing. And then I will, you know, move along. Right. right. And I did that for a couple of weeks with, with actually the first client I got as a, as a freelancer yeah. and like, they didn't really care. I didn't really care. And we got there and like, I was just talking to him on Slack, you know? And and like, like I would if I was at home, but like we were just sitting at the same table, but you know, there were other people in the Slack channel that that cared to know what we were talking about. And like, it just, it kind of just kind of fell off. And, and now with, um, you know, I don't know, 60, 70% of my clients are out of town that wouldn't even, you know, it, it's irrelevant, you know, True. they wouldn't be seeing me in an office anyway. And the ones that are in town don't, don't seem to mind. Um, I do have, uh, this kind of regular, uh, standing meetings w- with some of them at their offices, mm-hmm. um, which is more convenient for them anyways. But you know, that, uh, I, I guess maybe as a byproduct of, of the industry I'm in, like that hasn't been an expectation that anyone has really placed on me. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Well, and I will say my clients are the the least of the issue there. Usually they want to meet in person at my office to talk about, for instance, like a sensitive employment issue. If sure. they have like a showroom um, and there's no real place to, you know, there's privacy, they feel like they're, uh, you know, they can talk about things there and it really helps them with the confidentiality. But that's very rare. Mostly, um, mm-hmm. you know, once I've met with someone in my office, they really uh, appreciate it if I make it out to their their company, their business. And I do have a, a lot of folks in and out of state that I've had the opportunity to go and spend a day or so just hanging out and meeting the people they work with and seeing whatever their um, site is and uh, getting, you know, it's shown to me. And then I understand their business so much better and they feel like they can pass me off to somebody to work on a project because, you know, I've, I've met them. I know <laughs> I'm kind of feel like yeah. more part of the team. So I think right. that goes over better in many ways than having the office yet i still pay for one <laughs> but yeah i would almost think as a freelancer that's a benefit to you that like a a, a big firm attorney would be you, you'd be asking a lot more of them to come to your place yes. and you'd be getting charged for it <laughs> like it would be a huge undertaking that that you'd probably try to avoid as a as a client if you can versus you're able to show up and it's it's not that same level of I don't know, heavy handedness, uh, uh, however you call that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. heavy handedness. It is, um, it is really, it is helpful to see people yeah. on site. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have to be regular. Like what you said, um, just showing up every now and then is more than sufficient for, for most people. And just taking time to, to see somebody's business makes the biggest difference. And it, if they feel like you understand it or you care to understand it, that goes further than having an office. For sure. But I don't know. For me, I I think a lot of people who are probably in the accounting and legal fields, I won't speak to any others, when they're um, making the decision to leave their traditional employer, they're probably feeling like nervous because being solo practitioner or at a very small, you know, practice is viewed with um, a lot of disdain by people uh, in the field. So I don't mm-hmm. know, have you ever dealt with any of that on your side of things from other people in your field? Yeah. So that's, that's interesting to hear you say that because I've always thought like that in those situations, friends I know in accounting or law, I've just been like, you guys are such idiots. Like no one cares, you, you know, for the situation. And, and it almost seemed like a big, um, just, uh, like very inside baseball, only other <laughs> people in your, in your world care. And it's just a, a contest as to, you know, whatever, um, whose office is biggest or whose firm's biggest, but that customers don't often care. But, um, having you and I have had, several conversations outside of the podcast where you've mentioned how important referral work has been for you in the past. And all of a sudden, like it, it kind of dawned on me, as you said that I was like, Oh, well that probably then does matter if someone's referring work to you that, right. that, um, you know, what their perspective is for, for me, I really, I'm fortunate in that I have chosen a part of the creative field and digital marketing where a team approach isn't, hasn't been historically 
uh, super necessary, you know? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I specifically manage AdWords. I specifically manage Facebook ads. You know, 90% of the time, the clients I work with want to provide their own graphics or their own art, you know, from the designer they always use. So it matches the brand and yada, yada, yada. And so like the fact that it's just me hasn't mattered, you know? Um, and I think that I'm starting to see that needle move a little bit as far as, um, the digital marketing world has, is kind of becoming, placing a heavier emphasis on telling story and having a more cohesive plan and message. And, you know, you might want that same message going out in video and print and whatever. And, and, you know, digital marketing is no longer just this redheaded stepchild right, of like millennials just siloed a uh, young person in a corner <laughs> yeah yeah my, my nephew has a mac and <laughs> you know is good on the social media um and and so now it's it's viewed more as as it's being viewed more as as the holistic part of you know one part of a holistic marketing effort there's a little bit more of that but um i, I haven't seen that pressure still be placed you know super firmly that yeah i never thought about the fact that they're you know your clients aren't choosing between a team of professionals doing that at an agency and you you, know, you struggling to to manage your workflow hashtag workflow yeah. at uh you know your own uh freelancing shop it's kind of like you at an agency or you doing you. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I, I've occasionally had, I, I've had just a couple situations where there's been a little pushback, like, you know, the notion that we would have, you, you know, people in our team that were specifically certified in Google analytics or that had a core, you know, had, uh, um, was a developer, mm -hmm. you, you know, the kind of those sorts of skills have, have in the past been helpful as an agency, but you know, it's the kind of thing in those situations that happens so infrequently that, that so far I've just either pulled in a friend of mine that, that has that competency and the client just never knows, or it's, it's just a Google, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I just get on, I'm like, Oh, this is how it happens. Like, here's a tutorial. I can do this. That's fine. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I kind of cover that whole, um, in a way that like, I don't need a team of people that are employed you know, full time and, uh, a space for us to all sit together and, you know, all these other levels of whatever that we would need if, if we were building a quote unquote agency. That, yeah, that, that is something that I've dealt with a lot because, um, like people don't always understand that, uh, lawyers are divided up into different practice areas. Um, some people do, but they'll, you know, I, I do commercial contracts and employment work, but maybe my client needs uh, their commercial lease reviewed. Um, and if it's a simple lease, you know, I've done that many times and I'm happy to do it. But if it's a complex situation that's outside of my wheelhouse or um, litigation, I don't do that anymore. I won't do it <laughs> anymore. That's the Matlock stuff is how I always describe it. <laughs> um, the showing up in a courtroom wearing a suit thing. Um, you know, that I don't do, uh, uh, tax law I don't do. Um, and so there's a, been a bunch of ways that I have found to 
make a much stronger network of other attorneys who practice in those spaces um, that I can refer and work with. And I have two, uh, two groups that I work with, the Independent Law Group, independentlawgroup.com, and my um, small firm, Sparkman Foot. Um, so I, I work with Sparkman Foot. We have real estate, we have litigation, we have tax, we have these amazing people. Um, and then with Independent Law Gr- Group, it's a group of independent lawyers who are, or people who are at very small firms who practice in different areas. And we have patents, we have securities, we have, you know, really, truly the best lawyers um, in both groups, in, in my opinion, in the entire state in their practice areas. So mm-hmm. when I used to be at big firms, you know, if you had a tax issue or a real estate issue come in, you kind of like you clicked through the button on the website and found, you know, who your real estate lawyers were and then forwarded it on. And it was just it had to stay within the firm. So it was whoever the firm had. But now, you know, we all get to choose who we use. So I at least try to sell that to my clients as, you know, you get the people I genuinely think are the very best. And it's not, that, you know, we're lawyers. We don't get kickbacks or anything. It's just they're real good at what they do and they're not going to overbill you. And I've sent other clients to them and I'm happy with the way they did it. So um, I think it's stronger personally than a a bigger law firm model. And it can be at least allay clients concerns about not having those specialty areas like a bigger firm would. Yeah, that's interesting because I guess to build a law firm that's big enough to really house the best of so many different niches or even like, top five, top 10% kind of good enough in all those niches, you'd have this extraordinarily huge firm with extraordinarily high overhead versus turning that model inside out. And you've got a handful of independent people that are all just hyper-specialized and come together only when they need to. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... Uh, Spark My Fit, we all rent offices in the same building. And so we get together, we we talk, we collaborate. It's wonderful. And then the independent law group, we meet a couple times a month. Um, some of us have offices, some of us don't. And we just kind of workshop and talk about problems. And you, you're sitting there. I mean, I worked in three different law firms before I left, the biggest one. And I never had a moment where I got to sit down with five attorneys who were top of their field in different specialties and just say, hey, I had a weird, a weird question. And then you get patent perspective and tax perspective and litigator perspective. And, um, you know, that's not something that my clients are even paying me for. That's just uh, one of those kind of uh, shop talk things that's only an option, really, once you leave the traditional employer. I don't like. I've found a lot of people like that. How have you found a community of people to to work with in Chattanooga? Yeah. So, I mean, a big one is, I think when I first got started, I recognized that that community didn't really exist in the form that I wanted it to. And so um, actually part of this podcast, uh, the brand, the name that's under Unfederated was actually the name I gave to a community that began in Chattanooga. Of, of freelancers, you know, so I, I kind of said, gosh, it'd be nice if we had X and X didn't exist. So, I, you know, at least locally. And so, um, I, I got the opportunity to help create X, you know, and so, uh, unfederated was born and, and in the Chattanooga area that has looked like, uh, monthly meetups and happy hours and, and some, um, online community too, the Facebook group and, 
uh, a bunch of other things that have that whole notion now has expanded a bit beyond Chattanooga kind of sucked because there wasn't a formation of that already. I, you know, the thing that's hard, at least in my space with freelancers is that one, you have a, it's a really transient group because you have a ton of people that are coming in and out of freelancerhood as they hmm. leave agencies or join, join new companies. And so one, you kind of have to define who are the people who are, you know, intentionally freelancing versus unintentionally freelancing. And I, I think two of the people that are taking it seriously, I, I mean, you'd love to help the guy that's, you know, just got laid off from his big agency job. And, and so like, he's looking for graphic design work and I'd love to throw some work his way, but of a certain type of client, you, you know, you recognize, well, he, he may get hired again next week. And then, you know, who, can I refer stuff to him comfortably? Like what happens when he does get rehired somewhere else? You know, what's, what's the end game um, where that's a little less clear, I think in, in my world than it is yours. No, I've, I've encountered a similar thing with uh, folks in particular, um, some uh, colleagues who have been attorneys at uh, bigger companies who've been bought out, for instance, or, okay. or that, you know, there's been a restructuring as a part of a large, um, you know, company uh, transaction. And um, so they probably got a real sweet severance package and so they don't really need to work immediately. They certainly weren't interviewing and lining something up towards the end. And so they all kind of hang out a shingle for a little bit, dip their toes in the water. And it does. It makes you you don't want to burn your goodwill with people (laughs) by sending them to someone who's just going to close up shop a week later. So it is tricky. Do you think just the passage of time is what uh, kind of separates the the career solo people from the transient ones? It, I th- I think time helps a lot. I mean, a couple of years go by, like you know, you know, someone either really sucks at, at interviewing or finding, <laughs> finding a job, or or like they're not trying. You know? Yeah. Um, we or both. It could even. Be both. <laughs> <laughs> could be both. Could be both. Um, even in the unfederated community, like our online community, our Facebook group, we often have like people reach out with job opportunities, and oh, and so it's interesting to see who res- who responds to those because, like, oh no, <laughs> you're tipping your hat. Yeah, and and to some degree, like that's fine, right? Like if if you're freelancing, like as like a nights and weekends thing, or if you're freelancing because you know, you got to pay rent this month, but like your end game isn't to, um, to freelance full time, like, you know, totally cool. Like I, you know, you do what you got to do. Um, but you can start to see a little bit of, you know, if I get a big project come along, I, I may pick and choose more carefully as to who should be working on it. If it's a small thing, maybe it doesn't really matter. Cause you know, they can knock it out, um, before it matters, but you just have to be a little bit more mindful about how you approach those things. So that's, that might be something that's a little bit different too. In my world as a lawyer, um, people can't casually side hustle lawyering very easily. I know a couple who do it in addition to their full-time lawyer job, they'll do a little like side hustle lawyering on the side, but they probably shouldn't because, in order to to kind of do some lawyering on the side, you really need malpractice insurance. 
which costs thousands of dollars a year. And mm. most people are not willing to commit to that for a side hustle. Plus, you're, you're, um, you've got all these confidentiality obligations to your clients. And you have um, obligations relating to, like, conflicts and disclosure. And most employers are not comfortable having a lawyer that they paid for pay for to be on staff, you know, doing somebody else's legal work as well. Um, so usually you have to sign something saying you, you won't do legal work for anyone else. So, but you have, I mean, you've done work with people who are currently employed for real employers doing you know, digital marketing or other creative work and they're helping you out, right? You know, off the clock. Yeah, that's in fact a lot of, um, I mean, that's very commonplace, I think, in, in our world that uh, folks are at least doing, if nothing else, passion projects on the side, you know? Right. The uh, hard, hard thing about being a creative person in an agency is you often have to do work you're not proud of or work that you're not inspired by just because you've got to keep your team busy. You got to stay busy to stay employed. And, and you kind of have this treadmill kind of effect that that's, um, that comes about. And so I think a lot of them will see opportunities to, to, you know, here's, here's a friend of mine opening this coffee shop. I want to do the branding for it. He could never afford my agency, but like, you know, I want to do something that I feel uh, excited about doing. And so those sorts of things I think happen all the time. Yeah. That's that's very different. And so it makes it a little bit higher risk proposition for me if I'm referring to someone who might, I mean, genuinely only help them out for a week and then like shut that email address down. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. And that's a scary proposition. So hopefully now that I'm closing in on two years, other people don't worry so much about about me in that regard. And then also you know, that's why I have this um, small firm I'm associated with is so people know I'm not going anywhere. It's not just a, you know, accidental um, tr- temporary moment in time. It's it's for sure happening. And there's other people right. I'm associated with who can um, help manage workflow and stuff like that. That's why that's more important for me, I think, than for you probably. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so one thing I... I, I think um, I struggle with, so I'll ask you what you think about this, but like how, if, if someone, you're at a dinner party and someone asks you what you do, like you have the luxury of saying, I'm an attorney. <laughs> and like you could stop, you could stop it there, you know? But if, if you're giving someone the elevator interview, like do you make any effort to describe or fence your free freelancer independent Oh, you gosh. know, career aspect, yeah. or do you, or, or do you try to make it seem bigger than what you are? I I always struggle with how to describe myself that just because the word freelancer has such connotations yeah. or like in it, if I use something like solopreneur, I feel like a complete d bag. <laughs> if you said so, that at a dinner party, <laughs> yeah, like so, like hey, I'm I'm an independent. <laughs> like even if I describe myself as like a consultant, still still d bag high in the d bag, yeah. you know thing. Entrepreneur, and, and if I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like if I if I say I'm an independent something, then I feel like I'm part of some sort of network or you know pyramid you know, pyramid scheme, <laughs> multi-level marketing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, you know, I got my pink Cadillac from, uh, doing <laughs> and it looks AdWords. great on you. You earned that. 
Um, yeah, I, I just, I like my Twitter bio is a great example. I just never know how to succinctly describe. What is your like, Twitter bio a, right now? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know. I, it changes so frequently. It's I'm, I'm probably kind of embarrassed to look. Yeah, um, you have to read it, whatever it is. You you put it okay. up there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It, it, what is it? Do you know? So it says free agent digital marketer and then podcast host at Unfederated uh, and my uh, marketing podcast. Um, so free edit, agent digital marketer. Edit is solopreneur. <laughs> yes. You got to add it. <laughs> Side hustler. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying a uh, thought leader. A keynote speaker. I'm trying to think of all the other terrible things people oh, put in their bios. Um, oh, yeah. Free free agent digital marketer is probably the most succinct way, but I, I feel like even sometimes that raises more more questions than it does answers. And as a marketer of all of all professions, I'd like to have a really succinct way of communicating the value of hiring someone like me, but that also explains to people who are looking for something else that I'm not that person, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and for whatever reason, my thing has been so hard to come up with that. We should talk in that, that thing you just pointed out, uh, you know, uh, the point of making sure that people who might need you know what you do and that that's you, that they need you. But also that if you're not that person, they recognize that and move on. Those are such equally essential components of marketing and sales, which we should talk about when we talk about sales and networking or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. That's a really good point. I, you know, I think about you and how you have to describe what you do to people who have no idea what it is um, on the regular because my husband's a doctor and I'm a lawyer. So that conversation goes real quick for us, um, <laughs> you know, and then uh, it's like, I am a lawyer. Um, and, and strangely, both of our things are professions that like you take with you, you know, even when you're retired, you're a lawyer, you know, like it's, yeah. um, you could be an Uber driver, but you're a lawyer. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, it's easier. A lot of times people don't ask any follow-up questions and if they do, I kind of, um, look at them and think, you know, what is their legal, uh, literacy and then i explained that i am a lawyer who um, helps businesses uh, with contracts to prevent lawsuits or some more complex version of that yeah it's easier than being like well there's a thing called askjeeves.com <laughs> which i assume is how you begin your paragraphs of explanation as to your profession yeah, I'm I'm envious of that in, in a lot of ways. In other ways, I feel like there's probably a lot of preconceived notions that come with that too that are also probably equally hard to differentiate or, you know, communicate in a succinct way. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, they're like, whatever they're picturing is usually a little bit off because lawyers, there's so many of us. There's so many different ways to lawyer. There's so many different ways to doctor. Um, the fact that, you know, Walker works at a you know, county hospital and deals with the patients he works with. And then I, you know, deal with the complete opposite spectrum of, of society. Um, those things don't really get brought up in the discussion because people just feel like they understand it and move on. Yeah. I, th I think there's a lot. I love the, the nature of our um, competing tendencies of, of a, a very established industry where people take their 
job with them, you know, their, their title with them often, uh, lowercase title, um, <laughs> and versus one where it's just, uh, so naturally transient. And even for full-time employed people, there's still some really blurred lines. Yeah. That's kind of fascinating. And the way that perception is so important in both because, you know, people don't have a preconceived perception for you and they do for me. And for both circumstances, you really kind of need to control or at least try to control what that perception is. Well, cool. I think that's a great chat. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to this show and you appreciate it and it's been good for you, I would ask you one thing, review us on iTunes. If you don't mind, it really helps the show, helps other people find us. And so uh, if you would take a moment to do that, we would super, super appreciate it. Um, good chatting, Sarah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk next week. Oh, everyone send us, send us your questions, your comments, your opinions. We also accept mm-hmm. memes and GIFs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hate mail is fine too. Um, (laughs) Unfederated.studio is where you can contact us. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.